Good morning, and welcome to all of you who are here on this 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Uh, this morning, it's a special Sunday uh, in the life of our church. We are joined by Dr. Tom McCann, who's going to be preaching uh, this morning. He is here uh, in view of a call to be our intentional interim minister uh, for, um, for a while as we uh, seek our, um, our, our permanent minister uh, in the future and see uh, where, where, we, where we are going in the future. So we welcome him this morning. Also, we welcome all of you who are out-of-town guests with us. Welcome to Savannah. Hope you are enjoying the heat. Um, and for those of you who are in-town guests, we welcome you as well. And as always, to those faces we see every week, it is good to have you in worship this morning. And so as we begin, will you join me in this call to worship? Forget the former things. See, God is about to do a new thing. God is making a way in the desert. See, God is making all things new. Please let us bow together as we share this time of invocation. Most gracious Heavenly Father, you were here before we came. You are here now. You will be here after we leave. And no matter where we go or what we do, what we say or how we treat others, you will be there beside us, watching us, guiding us, blessing us, and helping us to be the very people that you've called us to be. O Lord, receive our worship through praise and prayer and sacrifice. And help us to know that when we leave this place, we will have been with you. In Christ's name, amen.
confirm our faith together. We believe in the Creator, compassionate and wise, who shapes the world and all that is in it, who gives life and cradles it lovingly. We believe in the Redeemer, righteous and just, who liberates all people from tyranny and sin, who calls us to repentance and offers forgiveness. We believe in the Sustainer, comforting and near, who transforms the lives of God's people, who nurtures faith and evokes commitment. We believe in God, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, who calls us to be a community of love and grace, and who wills that God's children live together in peace. everybody today I don't have popcorn I have a bag that says popcorn on it I don't like popcorn it gets stuck in my teeth and then all during church I'm like I'm glad you're here today it made me think about growing up in this church did you know that I grew up in this church just like you did just like you are my mother grew up in this church she said, what are you going to say to those children? I said, I don't know. She said, teach them this. Do you all know this nursery rhyme? This is the church. This is its steeple. If you open the doors, you can see all the people. Do you know that? I don't ever remember people saying that anymore. I knew you'd know it, Kate. But it made me think about this church and all the people in this church. And then, as luck would have it, I was reading the order of worship a little bit earlier because half the time I don't know what it means. And today it said, we believe in God who calls us to be a community of love and grace and who wills that God's children live together in peace. And it made me think of my family. Now we all have a family, a mom, a dad, a pet hippopotamus, a sister, a brother. Some people have a pet hippopotamus, but it made me think of my family. And you know, my family is my mom and my dad and my sister, and now I had a pet dog, and Nancy and Betsy and Will and Rebecca, but it's also a lot bigger. It's a community of faith. It's all these people in this room. Y'all come stand by me just a minute so you can see. Stand up. We got to look. If you look out there, you'll see people, come on, we'll stand up together. You'll see people that I've known forever. Right back there behind Nikki is Billy Jones. I don't have a recollection that doesn't include Billy Jones. And I remember him because he's got the same name I have and it made me feel comfortable. And over there is Charlie Waldrop. He took me to my very first Boy Scout meeting that was at this church. And over there is Steve Stram nodding his head, and I see him at the beach sometimes. And, and there's your mom, Libby, and the Plunkets, and the Brawners, and the Davises, and Mark Murphy and I grew up together, 
And I saw him the other night and it was his wedding anniversary and I forgot to say happy anniversary. But my point in all this is, this room is full of people that are your family and they love you and they love to see you grow up and all the things that you accomplish in this room. So every time you come here, feel comfortable knowing that there are people here that are your community of faith that we can love and we can share that love with other people. That's the best part. My dad was a rascal and he gave everybody peppermints. And if one was good, three or four would be better. So I want you to take some of these peppermints and I want you to think about my dad, Bill, who used to be here and he gave peppermints to everybody. Now will you pray with me before we go? Thank you, God, for First Baptist Church and for Katie and Kate and Camille and for Madison and for all the young ladies and men that grow up in this church and for our family here. And thank you that we can love each other and nurture each other and grow in peace and help us to share that peace when we leave this room. Amen. Do Thank y'all for coming. First lesson. Isaiah 56, 1, and then verses 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do right, righteousness, for my, soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord, God who gathers the outcast of Israel, I will gather yet others to him beside those already gathered. second lesson comes from the book of Psalms 67. To the leader, stringed instruments, a song, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, Selah. That your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. Since the second lesson.
gospel lesson comes from John 15, verses 12 through 16. A word about context. This small bit of scripture comes out of a much larger body of scripture recorded for us by John or the person who wrote John in order to display what the disciples have been taught. It's a long passage of scripture and it contains more things than you can imagine. If you sit down and really study it, you'll be at it for a long, long time. The text reads like this, starting at verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. And this is the focal. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is the written word of the Lord. Allow me to begin first by thanking the Rabins and all of you who participated in the gathering yesterday at their place on Tybee Island. It was a great time of fellowship. We all enjoyed it. We all were hot together. And uh, and that was the way it's supposed to be in August in this city as I understand it. And I'm looking forward to all of those who have predicted that by maybe November, it will be comfortable again. I had a great time with those folks and it was wonderful getting to meet them. Such good people are parts of this church, and I was delighted to have that opportunity. Little Johnny was in trouble again. This little seven-year-old had taken to telling all kinds of stories, big, long, deep, involved Stories, but they were stories. They were actually they were lies. But when a seven-year-old does it, you don't call it a lie. It was a story, and these were tall tales. And he would tell them over and over again. And his his teacher got so upset with him that she just didn't know what in the world to do. So she talked to the principal about it, and recognizing that sometimes kids about that age have a tendency to tell tall tales, she figured the principal would have a solution, and he he did. He said, "I'll tell you what you do. The next time he comes to school." and he tells you one of those outlandish tales, send him down to my office, and I'll tell him a tale he just will really never believe, and in that case, he'll begin to understand the foolishness of his ways. So it didn't take long before that event opened up. He was absent on Monday, and when he got to class on Tuesday, uh, the teacher said, Johnny, you missed school yesterday. Where were you? And he said, well, I was out in the pond with my dad behind the house, and we caught a hundred fish this long. And she looked at him, knowing that the pond behind his house was relatively small, and said, you did what? And he said, my daddy and I went fishing and we caught a hundred fish this long. And she looked heavenward and she said, Johnny, I, I think you need to go and talk to the principal. Well, if you've ever been a seven-year-old and you were sent to the principal's office, you know it's the longest walk you've ever made in your life. And so here's Johnny walking just almost mincing steps to the principal's office and the principal sees him and calls him in and says, Johnny, I understand you were not here yesterday. What were you doing? And he said, I was out with my father in the pond and we caught a hundred fish this big. And he said, Johnny, you know something? You really missed something because yesterday something really big happened here on campus. 
the bear from the zoo escaped. And he came down here and he got on our playground and scared all the kids away and we had to send them home. And, and then the bear, smelling the food in the cafeteria, went into the cafeteria and he scared all the cafeteria ladies and they had to go home. And then he proceeded to go down the cafeteria line and he ate everything. He ate all of those green things you don't like and he ate all those other things that you don't like and then he got to dessert and he ate all of that. And then when he got through eating all of that food, he came into my office, scared my secretary so bad she stepped up on her desk and then this little chihuahua about this big came into my office, scared the bear into the closet, closed the door and gobbled the bear up. Now, Johnny, do you believe that? And he said, yes, sir, that was my dog. <laughs> now, some of you preachers in this room are going to wonder how I'm going to segue from that into this sermon. But this is how I'm going to do it. The text we read this morning is the truth. It's the whole truth. It was spoken by the person who is the very epitome of truth itself. Jesus Christ is truth. And so the stories that he tells and the examples that he uses and the instructions that he gives us are all truth. Now, Johnny had a hard time with the truth, but Jesus didn't, and I certainly don't either. The church in America has been going through an extended period of, of change and challenge. And while surveys show that most Americans will say they're spiritual, those same surveys also show that there's a decline in participation. And in that, we're not alone. And then you add an alteration in pastoral leadership, and that simply adds to our discomfort. And it's at that very point that we can begin to see the quiet movement of the hand of God because God does his best work in the midst of change and challenge. But it's absolutely critical, and I can't emphasize that enough, it's absolutely critical that you and I appreciate the stunning, incredible power we have under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to carry out the work of this congregation in this city and in the world. Hear again those words, you did not choose me, but I chose you first, so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and second, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Spoken by Jesus himself, those words may be the most important ones for Christians to hear. In fact, the fact that God is, is involving us in his work in the world is the most remarkable thing of all. If we hear those words, if we really hear them and are obedient to Christ's command, this congregation can move from a place of anxiety, fear, maybe a sense of powerlessness, to a place of significance and determination and hope. Now, there are three major ideas contained in this text. First, you did not choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. Second, we're given a critically important job to do. And third, we are given the power of the universe to help us do it. You did not choose me, but I chose you. In the dim mists of time, God made God's presence known to the people he had created. The stories of God and Adam help us to understand God's desire to reach down into humankind and partner with us throughout our lives. God was touching humankind. God was touching the life God had formed and entered into a personal, intimate relationship with that life. The Lord began this venture with an ancient ancestor whose name was Abraham. And to Abraham, God said, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the lands which I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll bless all the families of the earth. And Abraham went forth. Now notice, Abraham did not choose God. God chose Abraham. God made the first move. God reached down and found this elderly man and began a relationship with him. God did it. 
And God did it first. And God did not stop, but he persevered. God's relationship continued through Abraham's son Isaac and Jacob and their descendants. But there came a time when the people of Israel were taken into captivity in Egypt. It didn't seem to be much of a blessing, I'm sure. But once again, God entered the situation. And reaching down, he touched a man named Moses. This is God now. God called out. God shrouded in mystery. God of inspired imagination. God called out, Moses, Moses. And Moses answered, here I am. And God said, don't draw near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and the God of Jacob. The scripture says that Moses hid his face from the presence of God. And God told Moses to go back to Egypt and rescue his people from Pharaoh. Moses asked, what is your name? And God answered, I am who I am. Thus you will say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. I am. It's a remarkable word in Hebrew. The word God uses to name himself is fundamentally of the verb to be. First person singular, I am. Tell him that the one who is sent you, the one who is the center of all being, the isness of life, the beginning of all matter and of every living thing, tell him life and being itself has sent you. I am who I am. And God led the people out of Egypt, Egypt into a, a special place, the promised land that he promised to Abraham generations and generations before. Moses did not choose God. God chose Moses. And God continues to take the initiative. Jesus reminds us of God's endless love for us by saying, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Kids, when you're at school and it's time to go outside and play, sometimes the teacher picks a couple of students and asks them to choose up sides to play soccer or kickball or, or something like that. You know what it feels like to be the first ones chosen? What does that mean to you? It means that the person who's doing the picking thinks that you're the best, that you will help the team win, right? When we make a profession of faith and accept Jesus Christ as our savior, we're basically telling him and the world that we're going to be a part of God's team. And nothing could be more important than that. Just, just as God has chosen Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses, so God has chosen you and me. We did not choose God. God chose us. That's just what Jesus said. In telling the story of the world God loved for us, Jesus chose a team. The first team was made up of 12 rather ordinary, unschooled people, the original and with the addition of Paul, the only apostles. We're the members of the same team. We're just separated by a couple of thousand years. We're the members of the 21st century team. No matter what the sin, no matter what our priorities in life have been in the past, Jesus has put all of that aside and he says, I choose you. And by choosing us, he's saying that he trusts us, has confidence in us, and expects us to use our talents and our gifts to complete his work, work of no less importance than the work God gave Abraham, gave Abraham and Moses and the disciples and the apostle Paul. Our task, scripture continues, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. You know, the saddest people in the world are those with time on their hands. They have no purpose. They have no interest. They have no ambition. They have no energy. They begin to get lazy and sickly. In muscle building circles, we say, lose it or use it. To retired people, we say, stay busy and you'll live longer. To people with nothing to do, we say idleness is the devil's playground. It is not in God's nature to waste a single human being 
the people of God, the ones that God chose in the past, had a job to do. And when God chose you and when God chose me, he had something for us to do as well. Because it's by us that, work, that the work of Jesus Christ is to be carried out to the lost and to the floundering. As part of God's team, we're called for a purpose. Not just to live self-centered lives as benefactors of eternal life, which we can claim, but to be actively and urgently engaged in ministry and evangelism just as Jesus' first team was. We are the chosen, chosen for a purpose, to produce lasting fruit, to bring people into the kingdom, to expand the number of people in our churches, but more than that, to expand the number of people who've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that as hard as we work to get to heaven, we'll be taking them to heaven with us. More importantly, Jesus believes we can do it. That's why he chose us in the first place. And he gives us this promise. Now think of this. If you give somebody a job to do without giving them the wherewith with which to do it, that would be futile. It would be like sending a baseball team out on the field without a ball and a bat. But we're not powerless. We never were. We aren't now. We never will be. At this juncture in our congregation's long and illustrious history, challenged as we may be at the present, God has given us the right to ask for whatever we need to accomplish the task that Jesus has given us. If we ask in Jesus' name, our requests will be consistent with the task that Jesus has given us. Now this says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That does not mean that if you need transportation, you pray for a Cadillac. What it does mean is you acknowledge that you need transportation and you pray for transportation. And maybe you'll get a horse and buggy, and maybe you'll get a mule, and maybe you'll get a car that has four wheels and an engine that really drives. But the point is, you ask in Jesus' name in the context of what Jesus wants you to do, and Jesus will provide the means whereby it can get done. Remember this, the one who parts the Red Sea, the one who moved in a cloud of fire, the one who brings water from rock and manna from heaven, who heals the leper, who makes the blind to see and the lame to walk, who restores life to the dead and brings eternal life through Jesus Christ, that's the one, that's the one who grants our spirit-led requests. How can we not be encouraged and hardened and strengthened and enthusiastic about the days that lie ahead? as long as we're faithful. The intentional interim process involves our engaging in five different steps. One has to do with heritage. What has been our heritage? Where did we, where did we grow the most? How were we led the best? What are we going to do for the future? Our mission, second point, is what was our mission before when the church was created, 1800? What has our mission been? What is our mission going to be? You will be engaged in a process of helping to determine that. And then we look at leadership. We know what leadership we've had in the past. We know what qualities that past staff has brought to us. What kind of leadership, talent, and abilities are we going to need going forward? How big a staff do we need to do what God has called us to do? And then we look at connections. How do we engage with other congregations of like mind and theology to carry out the good work of Jesus Christ? And then we look to the future, defining what we want a pastor to look like, what, we want him to, what kind of character we're looking for, what talents and abilities and strengths should this pastor have, male or female. So those five things, heritage, mission, leadership, connectedness, and future, those are the things that we will be engaged in over the next few months should you decide, should decide to proceed through this process. But it's one that will engage you and you will have a part in all of it and your creativity and the manner in which the Holy Spirit leads you and helps you to articulate your thoughts and patterns and feelings will be very much a part of this whole process. It's exciting. We're at an exciting time and we need you. We need all of you. 
And we need the people who are not sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you. We need them too. Go to them. Tell them we need you. Now's the time not to, not to retreat. This is the time to become engaged. Church, we're the light of the world. We're the city on the hill. We're people of the word. We're the salt of the earth. We're disciples. We're witnesses. We're followers of Christ. We're children of the cross. We're forgiven. We're free. We're favored. We're worshipers and workers. And we are chosen. And that's the truth. God of grace and God of glory, on thy people pour thy power. Amen. heads bowed and thoughts silent. Join me as we pray silently and then join our voices in a community of prayer.
O Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. We bow before you in humble recognition of your awesome creative power and explosive strength and of your ability alone to cast stars across the heavens and bring worlds into being and eclipses to the sun. We celebrate your indescribable person, present before time and space, yet imminent in our lives. We offer you our unceasing praise, Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, like a nurturing parent, you embrace us with your indescribable love. You heal our challenged bodies, inspire our hungry minds, and lead us through the demands and temptations that fill our days. Without you, we would be without ethical foundation, misguided by an amoral society, troubled, confused, broken, sick. Oh Lord, by your grace and favor, you have given us eternal life freely and abundantly without price except faith. We offer then our obedience, our effort to seek justice and love mercy and walk humbly in fellowship with you. O oh Lord, show us your will and your way. Lord, in your mercy. Finally, O oh Lord, we acknowledge that yours is a, a vulnerable creation. It is no wonder that your admonition to love is at the very heart of our faith. We beg you to still the jarring voices and damaging actions that break the peace and create fear and incite violence. We have become a land of extremes. Draw us to the center, to you as our center, and help each of us, as much as it is up to us, to be pools of quiet, circumspection, and peace. And Lord, I ask that you inspire, energize, animate, and sustain this congregation as it seeks to embody your will and claim the future you have for it in this place, this place of proclamation and mission and ministry. Lord, in your mercy. And now, O oh Lord, we join ancient voices saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ calls us to his mission of love, a mission that is lived out in part through the people who call First Baptist Church home. So, as we use our talents, our time, and our resources, may we now also give of our financial blessings so that we may continue to be a blessing.
pray together. Savior, who calls us to see the world in a whole new way, a world where loving our neighbors should, as ourselves should be like breathing, where being a servant is what leadership looks like, where doing justice brings peace and salvation, and where darkness and death have nothing on light and life. Give us eyes to see that this is how you see the world. We are called to go into this world and bear fruit, fruit that will last. As a church, may we answer this call. Amen. The invitation to Christian discipleship is open now for any who wish to profess their faith in Jesus or desiring to join this worshiping community or if you'd just like to come and pray at the kneelers, you're open to do that as well. We can do that as we sing this hymn together.
seated. Thank you to all who are here today. Um, a few announcements, not many, but uh, one, uh, thank you to all who came out uh, yesterday to our family beach day. It, it was fantastic. There were a lot of folks there, let me tell you. Like, I was trying to get a head count, and it was, gosh, what was it? it was probably like in the 80s, maybe. I mean, it was a lot of folks, okay? We had a good, good time together, and uh, the children, children loved it. Uh, thank you to the Ravens for opening their house to us. Also, thank you to Kyle and Karen, who worked really hard during the week uh, here in the office, uh, taking, some, uh, taking down names of who, were, who was coming and really doing a great job organizing that throughout the week. It was fantastic. Um, today, I want to uh, welcome uh, some of our guests who are here from Savannah, from North Carolina, from other parts of Georgia, from Texas. Um, and so we welcome all of those guests from um, the, around the country and here. That being said, today, um, we as a church will be voting on whether to call uh, Dr. Tom to uh, be our intentional interim minister. And so the way we will do that is uh, in a few moments, Tom will lead us in the benediction. We will stand and have our congregational response. And uh, then after the postlude, our church will enter into a special conference and we will vote on that. I say that because if you're a guest with us today and you don't want to stay for a Baptist business meeting, okay, um, during the uh, postlude, you can uh, feel free to, to leave if you want, unless you just like sitting through Baptist business meetings, which maybe you do. Um, for those of us who are staying, um, you can mill around and greet folks during that time. Tom and I will be out in the narthex, um, after which our, um, our chairman of the diaconate, Shannon Wilhite, will call us to order, and we'll do some business. So, if you will, hear this benediction and then stand for the response. Benediction, this is Latin for good word. So God's good word to you today is that you are chosen, you are empowered, you have the strength to do anything God calls you to do, and we will do it. And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.